What do you call firefighters who become influencers? Stop, drop, and roll models. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. So I'm paging Dr. Steve. From the world-famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios, it's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner. Gives me street cred with the wacko alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. And we have in the studio, Tacey, my wife, Tacey, my partner in crime. Hello, Tacey. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. And we also have P.A. Lydia, the great Lydia the Great. There you go. This is a show for people who never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to a regular medical provider, can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at DRScottWM and visit our website at DrSteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, respiratory therapist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. Wow, the levels were all over the place on that, that one. You know, when I had analog equipment back in the 70s. I never had problems with that, but with this digital stuff is still an issue for me. But anyway, all right. Well, welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here. And uh, don't forget, uh, I'm going to try this one more time. I don't even know if we are still on Amazon's thing. They sent me this dunning letter saying, you are in violation for these things. You must supply us with this and that. And I think what it was was they were surprised that with the R page, being as minimal as it is, you know, stuff.drsteve.com, go check it out, um, that we were getting as many clicks as we were. And that's just because we have an awesome audience that is, you know, likes to, you know, they like us, I guess. It's weird. I don't know why anyone would like this. But I don't they get do. it either, but okay. Okay, so you, I accept it for what it is. Yes, And uh, but, <laughs> but they... They did not, uh, I guess, understand how we were getting as many clicks as we were. Now, we're not making a lot of money. You know, if we make 300 400 bucks in a in a month, that's a lot for us on that. But still, it helps 
pay for the web hosting and all that stuff. Well, anyway, they sent me this Dunning letter, and so I responded to it. But they were asking me for some stuff. They wanted, like, SEO integration. So we don't do any. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I just have a website. So uh, I didn't send them that, but I said, I don't know what you're talking about. If you want something specifically, I can maybe get my web guy to look at it. And uh, so I haven't heard anything. So I don't even know if we're still... They gave me five days, eight days ago. So, it, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, check out stuff.drsteve.com. Don't stop using it until I say Amazon stinks. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll think of something else. Anyway, and uh, don't forget to check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. We're going to talk about it in a second because he has something new. And then uh, go to our Patreon.com, patreon.com slash weirdmedicine. So, uh, Tacey, yes. you are back in the studio. I am. And uh, so you and I did this during the COVID era. Yes. And um, we, you and I started doing the the Patreon show mm-hmm. because you were not able to be in studio on Wednesdays anymore because you were out of town. Yes, that's right. Almost every... Um, oops. Good Lord. <laughs> so someone's happy about it. No, no, no. I, was, I hit the wrong thing. Uh-huh. Oops. Yeah, oopsie. I hit the wrong thing. Well, well, you can't be happy anymore. Oh, 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 wait. Sorry. I, I, I hit the wrong thing. <laughs> oh. Bitch be back, baby. Yeah, so. Well, uh, up now. So what happened? Oh, I got retired. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yep, so Tacey got laid off. <laughs> Let's have church. But she got laid off from a job that, number one, she couldn't really talk about, and you really still can't because you're still employed Yeah, for nor will I ever because they yeah. were decent okay. to me except for the last little bit. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, you had a nice job, and then they put you on the road. Yep, didn't like it. And uh, she was gone two, three nights a week. Mm-hmm. And then during the snow, could have gotten stuck up there for the whole weekend. Hated that. And, uh, yeah, so here you are. So welcome back. Thank you. So, yes. So people will say, well, then what's the competitive advantage to the Patreon show? And the competitive advantage is we're going to start doing some celebrity interviews and stuff. <laughs> or then it's still content you can't get anywhere else. Well, and if, if it's not a competitive advantage, well, I don't have to be here. So we'll, we'll no, yes, you do. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm going to be too busy, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, but, yeah, glad to have you back. And I'm glad to have you back at home and all that kind of Me good too. stuff. So. All right. So, uh, Dr. Scott, I have some of your uh, CBD sinus rinse. Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. And um, I have yet to try it, though, because I was using my lavage all week. But oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to try it. You know what? I'm just going to, by God, try it now. I just had a little hit before I came You over. did? Yeah. Yeah? I use it about three or four times a day. P.A. Liddy, have you seen this? I have not. Oh, you have Is that sinus. the CBD? Yeah. yeah, you have sinus trouble, right? Yeah, this hasn't been opened. Um, you can have it. You don't have to do it right now. Okay. You want it? Sure. There you go. You can take that one. Scott will bring what's me in the, on that. What's, what's, what's the CBD activity in this? Um, it's going to alter me? It's going to alter your, your mental status. No, it actually helps to block the um, spike proteins for the COVID, oh. we think. Oh. We you put think. CBD in your nose spray? Yeah. <laughs> 
We think. There's not any scientific okay, in vitro, proof. In vitro, that has happened. Right. So we'll see. And that vitro. is true. In vitro, it is true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Meaning in the Thank test you. tube. That's yep. what in vitro so means. I'm stretching it out a little bit. But it has. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. And it, listen, this isn't an ad for Dr. Scott. Check him out at simplyherbals.net. But it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So good. I'm glad you finally have some product. Yes, thank you. <laughs> After a year and a half of, you know what. Yep. All right. Uh, P.A. Lydia. So here's the thing. You brought us one of the coolest stories that's ever been on this show. And it was the story of the person who had a tapeworm. The tapeworm had cancer and then gave the guy metastatic tapeworm cancer. So when they biopsied his tumors, they weren't even human cells. They were tapeworm cancer cells. So that was pretty damn cool. Uh, but uh, uh, NP, DNP Carissa brought a story of a guy that, did, that steeped magic mushrooms in, in tepid water, it seems, and, it's, and then injected that water into his veins thinking he would get high and what he got was a fungemia in other words fungi growing in his bloodstream and they were magic mushrooms mm. <laughs> now, he didn't actually make any the mushroom itself is the sex organ but he was growing the actual organism that is the that makes the magic mushrooms in his bloodstream That's wonderful and, and then last week uh uh np mel b uh, did the Navage live on the air, and she has a phobia about putting stuff up her nose, which is, of course, why we wanted mm-hmm. her to do it. And she did a great job, she and great. she really liked it, and she's been using it ever since. I watched that. I oh, was did really you? impressed. Yeah, I did. I watched it at work, and I started gagging after you guys put the. <laughs> oh, the I didn't even know about to the that. camera. Oh, oh yeah, I held at the that, that, snot. At that point, it, yeah, it's awesome. It gag, collects. It collects. That was pretty. That was great. Boogers in the bottom. Yeah. And it's all clean. I mean, it's all isolated from the rest of the device. It's pretty neat. Yeah. So good. So now, we see that there is some little competition going on here between the three of you. So we're wondering what you brought today. Yeah, I would like to preface with saying I'm not <laughs> extremely competitive. Okay. Uh, fair enough. In things. But other you did than, bring. But, but your I did. thing is going to be hard to beat. Well, yeah, when you start strong, it's easy to disappoint, right? <laughs> That's right. So, anyway, I was lying in bed thinking, what on earth could I talk about? And I closed my eyes and I thought about uh, seeing these tree people. So, have you guys ever heard of tree men? Yes, yes. Yeah, which yes, I, I think have. is extremely weird and interesting. Yeah, talk about it. Um, people should Google image that right yeah, now. Yeah, Google image tree man syndrome for sure. You will not be disappointed. And it all starts with some... Uh, autosomal recessive mutation so you get some mutations from both parents in ever one and ever two genes and essentially makes you highly susceptible to human papillomavirus Um, is that right yeah okay i didn't know this about this yeah okay so anyway so so autosomal recessive let's talk about that for a second so you have to have two genes the two of the bad genes so if you have a mother and a father and uh, let's just call um, big T, big T, little T. And the little T is the recessive gene that we're worried about. And they both have big T, little T. You can make a two by two box. And uh, hell, I'm going to need paper to do this. Give It'd me a twenty-five percent. All right, all right. <laughs> let me let me. Well, this um, can I have that paper, Scott? That already has the. Of course, the, yeah. We were, yeah, sorry, you're not looking at me. That's all right. No, I'm, I'm okay. talking to our my friends. So uh, you make this box, and it's a two by two box, and you put a big 
let me uh, do this here. You put the big T here on one of the in, on on the top across. You know, a big T on one box and a little T on the box across the top, and a big T and a little T going down the left side. So each uh, you know side of a box has a has a number on or a, has a letter on it. So one of their kids, if they if they all just there was no randomness to this that, that this would just be um, that they would just have these kids. One of the kids would be big T, big T, so they could not pass along the tree man syndrome to their to their kids. Then you will have um, two kids that are big T, little T, so they will have the trait, but and could pass it along to their kids, but they won't have the syndrome. And then, just as PA Lydia said, one of their kids, one of the four, will have tree man syndrome. And, uh, oh, we're getting a call from a very important person here. Hang on a second. Hello? Hello? What is she doing? Well, um, we're just the ratchet, John, to all these folks out charring the party line. Well, is she talked to old Laverty? No, I ain't talked to her. She ain't been on the party line for for a month of Sundays, I'll tell you that. I I heard she went to that party on the moon and she (laughs) ran off with one of them highfalutin fellers. One of them city-fied fellers. All right. <laughs> There's just so much our listeners will tolerate of that bullshit. Uh, Agreed. <laughs> I'll, I'll holler at you when you're. No, done. no, no, no. What do you? You had a medical question. What is it? Yeah. Okay. I was just, I was just going to ask you about this rash to get on my chest. Okay. Tell Tell us about it. Okay. It's on the uh, lower left side of my chest. And I get it sometimes when I have a heat rash, you know, like mowing the yard or something. Then mm-hmm. it goes away. I can put some cortisone on it or okay. something. But I got COVID back at the end of December, and I've gotten over it. And but I've got I've, the rash has come back, but it won't go away. Interesting. And it's just like red spots. It almost kind of looks like chicken pox. And my doctor looked at it. And he thought it would go away, and he gave me some steroid cream, but that doesn't really seem to help it much, and I've been doing that for about a week. Wait, it looks like chicken pox, so it looks like little papules, we would call them? Little yes, and it doesn't itch raised. or burn or doesn't anything. doesn't itch or burn, okay. Less likely to be herpes, then. Okay. Because you can get herpes anywhere. Yeah, what are we going to say, sounds, It sounds like a little virus thing, right? It sounds a bit viral. Yeah, well, that's interesting, but he, he says he's had it for years, though, too, so... HPV. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Could be. Especially with Great his, timing. Especially with his history. On, yeah. on, his, on his chest, <laughs> though? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't think I've got herpes. Oh. Well, <laughs> knowing your history, that's well, no, a, I've that's had, a good they, I've had it looked at before. <laughs> yeah. And they think it's like, you know, like a dermatitis type thing. Yeah. Well, I, I, these are really hard to do over the phone, and they're even hard to do when someone sends you a picture of it. you got to see them live. But uh, COVID can trigger an itchy, widespread rash, but it's usually, we would call it urticaria, you would call it hives, and it's splotchy red areas that are intensely itchy. And so this is not 
not not that. Now, when I hear someone say, when I get sweaty, I get a, ra- a rash in this one circumscribed area of my skin, I think yeah. I think fungus. Mm-hmm. You think what? Fungus. Fungus. And okay. I, I would use an antifungal on that just for fun and see if it goes away. Now, you got to use it for two weeks straight. You can't just wait till the thing goes away and then stop using it. you got to use it beyond that. And well, um, Yeah, go ahead. And I, what, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but what I would oh, do yeah. before when it would happen, yeah. and it seemed like it would happen when I'm mowing the yard yeah. or something, Yeah. and then I would put some cortisone on it for a day or two and it'd go away. There are some tinea infections that you that sort of fade into the woodwork until uh, you get sweaty or you get a lot of blood flow to the skin, and then they'll kind of become visible again. It's almost like invisible ink, and okay. that's that's one thing. Lydia, you got any other ideas on that? No, that's I just a, I wondered if when he gets like a sunburn, if those areas ooh, are more. Yeah, how about if you get a sunburn? Is it lighter than the rest of your skin? No, it's not. Hmm. Well, the hell with you then. <laughs> so this fungal thing. It, it's like playing checkers get, with this fungal Can you get thing. it over the counter or do, you, do yeah. I need to check back with my No, you certainly care. can. There's all kinds of antifungal creams that are sold okay. over the counter. Uh, over the counter. And, um, you know, for people who have like a, there's fungal fungal uh, uh, infections of the scalp that you can get a Nizoral shampoo. It's ketoconazole. Yeah. And um, it it's works really well for people who have really bad dandruff that's caused by uh, fung, fungi in the skin of the scalp. So yeah, so you can buy all kinds of stuff over the counter. But it's just, I mean, is there any significance? It's, it comes up in that same spot. Yeah, that because that's where it's living. That's my hypothesis. So okay. so lamisil is one. I had chicken pox when I was about thirty five. Yeah. Would that okay? No, did you? Hey, when you had chicken pox when you were thirty-five, did you have a really bad syndrome with that? Because usually when adults get chicken pox, it sucks. I would say moderate because yeah. I got on it early. Got on? Oh, you? But so they gave you the? Uh, I got, yeah, I, did, I broke out. I would say a moderate breakout, but not super severe. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, and then they gave you the antivirals for it. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I don't think that has anything to do with this, but I would like okay. to see it. Now, if it turns into blisters and ulcerates and then heals and then goes away and then comes back, I mean, it may be a herpes virus. You know, sh- shingles and chicken pox are herpes viruses. Okay. And so, and But then the, it, it seems like, and I'll tell you this and I'll let you go. I know you're busy. It seems like <laughs> when I get up in the morning, yeah. it looks a lot better. Yeah. But as the day goes on, yeah. it looks it looks worse. Yeah. Yeah, that all that all kind of fits my hypothesis, I think. So get some Lamisil. Mm-hmm. Talk to okay. your primary care. But this Lamisil. is stuff I can re- recommend things that you get over the counter. Get some Lamisil. Put it on for two weeks. And okay. then if it doesn't go away, see your primary. And if he needs to send you to a dermatologist, the dermatologist absolutely can figure it out. Okay. Because when I went to see my primary care the uh, last week, of course, I go early in the morning. Yeah. And it almost looked like it would it would, had cleared up. Yeah. But, you know, by about this time of the day, it gets red again. I yeah. mean, it's not kind of super deja bad, right? but it's just, it's more annoying than anything. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Thanks. That's all I know. I'll tell you. Well, that. 
Go, right. go see Doc Carson. He'll put some liniment on it. <laughs> I like your show. All right. So, All right. I'll see you later. All right, bye, Jesus. <laughs> Maniac. Every day for 15 years, yeah, I yeah, hear that. That's true. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, let me, can, I, can I say well, something? So, let me, yeah. I was doing this thing, oh, so mad. let me just, yeah, 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 yeah. Ahead, yeah. Ahead. So, tw- so PA Lydia, exactly right. Give yourself a bill. Is that you, uh, they would have tw- one kid out of four, or 25% on average, would have this tree man syndrome. And uh, the only reason that I go through that is just, to derive it for the listeners so that they understand we're just throwing out a number out of, at random that there's a reason for it. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. so uh, super rare. I think only 200 cases have ever been identified since 1922. Wow. But um, it's part of a... So that mutation that you just described uh, would give someone EV or epidermodysplasia verusiformis, and which is a, a less... Uh, <laughs> It's a it's a syndrome that can manifest, uh, you know, the HPV lesions more as like warts or diffuse warts or skin yeah. lesions. But how these, do you treat it? Uh, so specifically, uh, the you you would have to remove the lesions. Um, oh, so they just scrape so, them off. Uh, yeah. Or, or so those are just really warts. Grafts. When the, someone has that tree thing, I mean, basically. Yeah, they're warts. So yeah, when they develop the tree man syndrome, they get these bark-like projections yeah. that mm-hmm. grow and are completely debilitating. Some grow from the face, but a lot of times you see them on the hands. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, they have to go in and surgically remove them and do skin grafts, and they continuously grow back because once you get exposed to HPV, typically, uh, at least with with this genetic mutation, you do not clear it. Yeah. Um, God, so. I wish I had an I am Groot uh, drop on my soundboard right now. <laughs> be oh yeah, because it looks like Groot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. It's amazing. Anyway. Well, yeah, boy, I learned something today. Okay, all right, yeah. you're still in contention there. That was a good <laughs> one. Did you bring anything else with us today? Um, well, it was just a we nice, have a million calls, um, but I, yeah, if let's you have do, something. Let's do calls. That's good. Okay. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. I'm kind of a nerd. I was going to oh, segue no. into virals and using viruses to, like, injecting viruses into tumors nowadays. Yeah. No, no, no. We, we've talked about that on the show. Yeah. Matter of fact, you can go to drsteve.com and click on non-pseudoscience, uh, non-pseudoscience cancer cures, and I talk about that. So, let's yeah, let's talk about it. Um, let's talk about multiple myeloma. Do you know, are you familiar with that one? Yeah. Yeah, okay. What are you oh, no, about? Not well, I mean, a, I know you are the a, cancer. But. Not with a viral treatment. Okay, so what they did was they took um, measles vaccine. So apparently the measles virus is very, what we say, trophic. In, you know, it loves to live in myeloma cells. So they gave this person six million doses of measles vaccine, and the measles vaccine was genetically altered not to change the the activity of the virus that they were injecting, but merely to uh, have the virus have a receptor for, um, I think, radioactive iodine. And so what they did was they injected this person, they got pretty sick, you know, they felt like crap, and uh, when they uh, gave them a dose of radioactive iodine, uh, it lit up all of their myeloma tumors. And then within about a month, they were completely free. So Amazing. it's called viral oncolytic therapy. Yeah. And uh, anyone that has multiple myeloma, if you want to get into a trial like that, you can just go to clinicaltrials.gov and... Um, and see and put in viral, you know, multiple myeloma and viral oncolytic therapy, and uh, see if uh, you know there's a trial close enough to you to justify going to it. Right. 
That's so what did you have? Uh, well, of course, the polio trial was one of the first ones, right, where uh, they inject polio virus into glioblastoma. Oh, now I haven't heard of this one. Yeah, so, oh, so that we're was, gonna educate each other today. Yeah, that was one of the one of the first viral oncolytic trials. So okay. in people who had had the polio vaccine in childhood, yes. right? So should have some immunity to polio, uh, they would inject uh, like the I guess the capsid or, or something very similar to an active polio, but of course probably it was live not attenuated, active. yeah, right. uh, in, directly into the tumor to elicit an immune response. Okay, right to to get those cytotoxic T lymphocytes that uh, which normally don't fart around in the brain too much. Right, but you can you can get them there. So um, shit, shit, shit. Hang on, hang on. Okay, okay, we're good. Yeah, you can, sorry, you can get sorry, in there. Sorry, so, I just got a, a message on the computer. I thought we stopped recording. Go uh, ahead. The immunotherapies we use that that utilize cytotoxic T lymphocytes, uh, like there's Optivo and Uravoy, uh, they're really notable because they have great activity in the brain. Wow. So, yeah, they'll certainly something. go there. Um, so, tell okay, so op, we've been talking for years, from almost the first show, that cancer... You, you're an on, oncologic PA. Um, the cancer, the days of uh, chemotherapy, we're going to look back at this as uh, how f- effing barbaric could we have been because the the answer to cancer is immunologic. Mm-hmm. It's a failure of the immune system. Would you agree? Uh, in, in combination with uh, an upregulation of, of transcription, so an upregulation of cell division of, of, of cells that have become immortal. Right, right? but so. if if the body was doing its job properly, yes. it would notice that and kill it before it before it was allowed to. You know, they, you haven't probably heard me give this analogy, but my analogy for cancer is is like you got a serial killer living in your cul-de-sac and he's got um, you know, people in the basement, but every day you go by and this fucking guys out there mowing his lawn hey how's it going you know and going to work and all this stuff and uh when one of the people escapes and says there's four other people in the basement that's when the villagers show up with their torches and you know and right put the guy when he's uncovered so that's right one of the main ways we've started to use the immune system to finally allow it to recognize cancer cells and kill them is by exploiting uh, these receptors on cancer cell surfaces Uh, so they upregulate expression of these receptors called programmed death receptors Mm, programmed death one and and programmed death two and so when that uh, cytotoxic t lymphocyte that should be patrolling the body looking for cancer cells yeah when they come into contact with that programmed death receptor uh, it has a programmed death ligand so they match up in that that causes inactivation of the of the T lymphocyte, yeah. and so the immunotherapy drugs that we are using largely uh, just either bind to the ligand side on the T lymphocyte or the uh, death receptor side on the on the cancer cell, and then those, <laughs> those white cells never they don't get deactivated. So that's been the the probably most major breakthrough I would think in the past ten years. Yeah, and we can use them for virtually any malignancy. There's yeah. good data with very 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 low chance of side effects. So have you seen the trials? And I know there, the, I know you must have because one of these is on the market now. But the, the the original trial that I saw, or it really was a case report because it was just one patient, they took out this patient's um, uh, 
you know, white blood cells. They exposed it to her cervical, stage four cervical cancer proteins outside of her body and then injected them back in and they all went, oh, I know what to do now. And they went and that woman is walking around today cancer free. Yeah. So uh, and we have trials going on in largely every solid tumor you doing that. And it's almost like getting a, a bone marrow transplant when you do that, because the person has to go in and have all of their lymphocytes depleted. So they do receive some chemo. Oh, usually. Yeah. Now, there there are some trials. So uh, you have to go kill the white blood cells and then and then reinject the targeted the good ones. ones. Yeah, um, but they're getting swifter about it. And I recently attended a talk where uh, they're working on a product where you do, where you can largely skip that step. Um, I had one patient who went for colon cancer uh, for a similar therapy, and uh, because he essentially was like a bone marrow transplant status, you know, he was responding. He had these new lymphocytes that were specifically targeted to kill his cancer. Yeah, but he didn't have as good his good cells yet and he died from a common cold oh my goodness yeah. so uh aka it's not, it's not COVID-19, perfect yet. right yeah uh no it was actually no, uh, it was another coronavirus <laughs> but not COVID 19 yeah. yeah so um he, it caused a hepatitis uh, and he died rapidly wow but they're getting better at that so yes yeah it's fascinating good good it is fascinating yeah so that that will be the key. I used to when we first started the show. I was saying it's, we're a hundred years away from a generalizable treatment for you know solid tumors, and now it's it's not even twenty five anymore. You know we're really really close. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah it is exciting. So I'll never yeah. leave oncology. Yeah, it it isn't the final frontier though. The final frontier is going to be neuro- neurology. Because we still, after all of this, we don't know what consciousness is. How does the brain work? How does anything do anything? Mm -hmm. And so we really have a hard time treating mental illness and stuff like that because we just throw buckets of serotonin into people's brains because somebody did a study that showed that in people who are depressed, their um, serotonin levels are low. That's a really sort of just broad strokes approach to this stuff. And if we ever want to upload our consciousness into machines and truly live forever, we we better learn a whole lot more about how our brains work. Because it is amazing when you think about it. Somebody reminded me of something uh, the other day that happened to me when I was a little kid. I haven't thought about it in 60 years. And it's still in there somehow. There's some semblance of it. It's recreating it. It feels like it's a real memory. But uh, And then you look at these uh, concert musicians, and they play all this stuff, um, you know, from memory. Yeah. Yeah. And it's how many bits of data does that take to get the velocity and the tempo and the speed and the notes and get all the fingers going in the right place and all that stuff? Yeah, go ahead. Can Scott. I add well, I'll, I'll, one quick thing that one of my friends, um, uh, Jens Kruger, he, the Kruger brothers, he's a banjo player, yeah, aficionado, and and he 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 writes symphonies and um, and. And mixes them up with bluegrass music, and it's just incredible. Yeah. But he wrote he wrote, he wrote one for the uh, Appalachian Mountains and Roan Mountain, and one for Roan Mountain uh, for the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. But he was telling me that in one just one of his pieces, he had written two hundred and fifty thousand notes. What? Wow. Two hundred and fifty thousand notes for the banjo. Well, Mozart, there's too many notes. No, and he of course I mean remember what his line was? Uh, yep. To remember what Mozart's line was to that? No. When the emperor said Mozart, he was the first 
viewing of the magic flute. Oh, okay. And they were trying to, you know, at that point they were trying to, uh, you know, degrade Mozart's standing. And but the emperor said, you know, Mozart, there's too many notes, which it's one of the greatest operas ever, ever written. Yeah. And uh, and this could be apocryphal too. I'm sure it probably is. And uh, Mozart just said, "Okay, tell me which ones to take out." <laughs> now I've done that with, you know, I've done that with patients yep. uh, when their families say, "Well, my mom's on, you know, too much medicine." It's like, okay, which ones should we take off? You yep. know, yep. Sometimes you can find a few, but yeah. most of the time they're on the these things for a reason. So, but anyway, yeah, two hundred fifty thousand notes. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yep. And he's written a number of them, and and, and he'll sit there and he'll play a. You know, when when they play live, he just goes right through it. Yeah, 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 right, 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 right. right. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, how and then we have this thing it's called insane. muscle memory. I mean, I can still play some uh, piano pieces from way back in the day, but it all feels like it's muscle memory. I don't think about it. I just do it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Well, you know, the, and the funny thing is, too, in music, in, in music especially with, with the way those guys play in these professionals, I think they can almost kind of hear the next note and they just kind of know where it goes in sync sometimes. Well, yeah. To a certain degree. I don't, yeah, I don't know how it works. It, it, so anyway, yeah, that's incredible. neurology. Yeah. Okay, so we will frontier, conquer yeah. We'll conquer oncology, but neurology's got to be the next thing. Because yeah. uh, healing a, um, you know, a spinal cord that doesn't work anymore, you know, because it's been traumatized or whatever and any of those kinds of things dementia alzheimer's parkinson's yeah yeah all of the above yeah depression psychosis we don't have a clue and then if we're going to build thinking machines and we don't really understand how consciousness works then what happens when we put a machine in charge of our nuclear arsenal and then it becomes psychotic because we don't because we never really because we, you know, we didn't understand well maybe elon musk has made some headway right with i Neuro, hope so Neuralink and yeah yeah that's pretty interesting i'll i'll sign up for that i would too oh i'll absolutely what sign is up. It? so it's Neuralink. it's a where he's you know interfacing computers with people's brains directly okay and uh they've done some of this stuff there was a uh something that came out not too long ago where they did um, some sort of, uh, it was a, like a functional MRI, but I can't remember where they, the person would recite numbers in their head and then they could take the output of this scan that they did and they could hear the numbers. It was very indistinct, but if you tweaked with the audio, you could absolutely hear them going one, that's crazy. two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's insane. So that's just the beginning. You know, it's once you get that, now you can build on that and uh, do some really cool shit. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Right now, I'll stick with my Oculus. <laughs> but anyway, all right. Uh, where are we going from here? Well, it's I guess questions. You know, yeah. I advertise this show. That we're going to answer a bunch of questions, but that was fascinating. So thank you. Number one thing: don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right, let's do uh, this little feller, right? Char. Oops. Oh, sorry. Maybe. How you guys doing? Hey, good. Uh, How are here's you? Here's one for you. Uh, about three, four times a year, I get a. Uh, pretty bad eye twitch in my left eyelid, upper eyelid. And it gets so bad sometimes that it affects my vision where it's like pushing down on my cornea. And it's lasted sometimes up to a month. Uh, So, three quick questions. Yeah. Uh, Is this bad enough to go see a doctor? Uh, Yes. It's affecting your lifestyle, so absolutely. Question number two. 
number two is uh, what kind of doctor do I see? I don't want okay, well. to mess around with my GP if I don't. Well, okay, it's, <laughs> it would be an ophthalmologist. An ophthalmologist treats this condition. I'll tell you what it is. And it's I have to and just get referred anyway. Yeah. And number three, what kind of treatments can I expect that any doctor would have? Okay, good. All excellent questions. So, uh, Lydia, do you know anything? Do you have an idea what this guy has? I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Um, I I mean, he said he gets a intermittent growth on. He, he, he gets a twitch in his eye, and he and it hurts. Oh. So he gets spasm in the eye. No. So it's called blepharospasm. And blepharospasm, that's okay. I wouldn't expect an oncologist to know that. It's, um, you know, a blepharospasm is spasm of the eyelid, and it can be sometimes so severe that it can be lifestyle threatening. And it sounds like this guy's is. So um, the, he asked so he's, to see an ophthalmologist, and one of the treats, treatments would be you want to go see him when it's happening. Because if you go when it's not happening, it's like going to the auto shop and saying well you know it was making this weird noise a week ago you know how are they ever going to find it mm-hmm. so you want to go when it's happening he says it happens once a month or it happens for a month at a time i can't remember exactly how often he said it happens but it happens when it's happening he can he can reproduce it and they may give him uh, botox i was thinking botox to the nerve that's affected yep, yep absolutely yeah. and uh, that'll uh, work for about four months and if you do it uh three or four times you may not need it anymore because the weird thing about botox is and this is true of botox to your forehead too the more you do it as long as you stay within that four months um the less you will need it over time and uh i've done it i've used botulinum toxin for people with a thing called post-thoracotomy pain syndrome, P.A. Lydia knows what that is, but when they open up your chest to do a, um, uh, to do, um, you know, like a lobectomy to take out part of a lung, they put a, a spreader in there, one on the top rib and one on the bottom rib, and then they put a lot of pressure to open it up. And when they do that, they often crush the nerve that runs along the top of that rib, of the bottom rib. And uh, people will have pain for years for that. And one thing you can do is you can inject that area around the nerve with Botox, and it depletes a thing called substance P, and it'll do it for a long time, for up to about four months. And I I know the times that I've done it on people, uh, we'll do two units every centimeter along that scar, and then after uh, four months it comes back, we do it again, and then four months later, it comes back not quite as severe. We do it again. After about the third injection, we don't have to do it anymore. That's great to know because people are on long-term opioids for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, true, true, yeah. true. Yeah. Well, the problem is it's so dang expensive. So I've gotten uh, the the workaround for that is not to charge them for the Botox. I only charge for the injection, and then I get them to go to a place and you just pay cash mm-hmm. and get it at cost. Nice. And, um, you know, it's about 300 400 bucks. But if you have that kind of horrible pain, you've been taking high-dose opioids, and you can get off of that, it's worth it. And uh, some people can't afford it, and that's, you know, it's unfortunate. That's our health care system right now. But the other thing is uh, if the injections don't work, they can do surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay? So blepharospasm. Check it out, my friend. All right. Oh, this is one for PA Lydia. You have your... Hi, my name is Christy. I live in New Jersey. Hey, Christy. I have a question about 
nerve pain. I have an uncle who had cancer treatment for bone cancer, and the radiation damaged the tissues around the spine. And ever since December, I guess early January, he's had a very bad leg pain and foot pain. And I'm curious if you know anything that can help and if you know anything about lidocaine infusion. Uh, yeah, okay. So I'll answer the last part. Lidocaine is an anesthetic. Uh, we also use it for um, cardiac arrhythmias, you know, people with weird heart rhythms. But uh, it's primarily known to the public as an anesthetic. When you go and they're going to do a biopsy on your skin, they'll shoot you up with lidocaine. You can infuse it into uh, veins and arteries and stuff, and it'll bathe that area um, with uh, with lidocaine. And it does work. The problem with it is it's not long-lasting. usually lasts, you know, it's very short term, very short term. So it's not really a solution to this. So, Lydia, you see yeah. this stuff all the time. What do you think? Well, and then we, we'll go around the circle because mm-hmm. Scott knows a thing or two about this, too. And then, Tacey, we'll get you to give your opinion on <laughs> yeah, this treatment one, for neurogenic This is a, a little bit more difficult, right, because uh, the, the treatments, the cancer treatments can cause neuropathy, right, right? as right. in doing, causing direct damage to the nerves usually start in distally like at the fingertips or the tips of the toes and then they would work upwards so for that um things like you know supplemental b12 alpha lipoic acid yeah we use alpha lipoic acid all the time glutamine and then other um medicines that would kind of specifically dull nerve pain like gabapentin Mm -hmm. right or lyrica cymbalta but this case seems to be more derivative from the actual spine and i don't know if there's still tumor there right uh, or if he's kind of still proximal from radiation where there's still some inflammation so uh, sometimes using dexamethasone uh, a corticosteroid to calm down any remaining inflammation there at the spine will help yep um, That's to reduce the mechanical pressure on the sp- on the ner- on the nerve. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then certainly I know she was asking about doing direct direct therapy, like a direct injection or numbing therapy. I don't typically refer people for that, especially if we're treating malignancy. Yeah, they, um, and the the anesthesiologists don't like to stick needles into uh, tumors either. So, so Scott, what do you got? I was thinking the same way she was. Just kind of depends on where exactly that pain is. If it's down in the feet or legs, if it's pretty diffuse, we use acupuncture. We use electrical stimulation. I like to use it away from where the tumor is. Yeah. Um, depending on where the if it if the radiation is in a local area and there is a lot of inflammation, I like to put needles around and stem that and try to do like a nerve block, and and sometimes can get some pretty good relief. And um, you know, and depending on how low it is in the in the <coughs> spine. You know, sometimes I'll go and I'll refer them to my, my buddies, and they'll do epidurals above that level sometimes. But if it's down there, the tumor, no way. They're not going to go anywhere near it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I mean, there's a, there, are, there are a bunch of treatments that, that, that um, we can certainly do for, for post-radiation, post-chemotherapy, neuropathies, yeah, pain what, syndromes. Um, I'm not sure what kind of bone cancer. Uh, we typically would think about bone cancer being described as multiple myeloma and not like a primary bone sarcoma or something right. like mm-hmm. this. But uh, it's fairly common uh, to have someone require a very low dose of dexamethasone, one to two milligrams, yep. Yep. which shouldn't which really Which is a corticosteroid, an anti, a, a steroidal anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can do some topical stuff, too. Just to pull some of the information yeah. right around right where that where there if it is a radiation burn on the skin if they're feeling pain close to the yeah, surface I agree is, with yeah. that yeah uh, we use uh, so 
if there's tumor causing the problem, radiation therapy should be the key to this. Oh, yeah. Uh, just to shrink the tumor around there. But uh, we will, for neuropathic pain that is not, you know, amenable to any other treatment, we'll use methadone for that. Believe it or not, uh, people will think, well, methadone's to get you off drugs. No, the only reason the federal government uses methadone to get people off the drugs because it's cheap. It's dirt cheap, mm-hmm. and it lasts all day. You give one dose, it lasts 24 hours, uh, or can if you give them enough. So, But one of the interesting salutary effects of methadone is, is that it is uh, really good at blocking a uh, receptor called the N-methyl-D-aspartate receptor, which is NMDA, which doesn't matter what it is. There won't be a quiz at the end of this, but it is involved in neuropathic pain. And when you block that, you can improve neuropathic pain significantly. So we'll use that. And uh, the uh, antidepressant duloxetine is really the drug of choice for chemo-related neuropathy. But a lot of times people are already on Zoloft and other things like that, and you can't really just put them on that because now you're just really tossing the buckets of serotonin into their system Mm. and causing problems. So. Anyway, all right. So uh, good luck w- to him uh, yes, with absolutely. that. And uh, there, are, there are things they can do. And uh, the other thing I would say is ask th- the oncologist if they have a palliative medicine professional mm-hmm. nearby that could make some of these referrals to an acupuncturist yeah. that's, you know, qualified yeah. to do it, not some jerk off that took a weekend course, mm-hmm. but rather someone like Dr. Scott, who I have utmost respect for because he spent four years of his life learning how to do what he does, and he doesn't just do acupuncture. So, um, no one, by the way, well, okay, you did a really, your partner did a really good job on one of my patients. Oh, cool. That's all I'm saying. That's cool, yeah. So anyway, without thank giving out any information, but yeah, thank you very much. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so see if they have palliative medicine. That's one of the things that they're there for. Palliative medicine is not hospice. Only 10% of what palliative medicine providers do is hospice. 90% of it is for people who are still pursuing active treatment, and some of them may even be, you know, have curable disease. So, uh, but they can help sort of manage the symptoms of cancer and cancer treatment when the oncologist really, they just want to, you know, put needles in your arm and dump. You know, toxins in your vein. Yes, right, right, that's, Lydia. That's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Good old go. Lydia. <laughs> Change again. Hey, Dr. Steve. Hey. And crew. Hello. How are y'all doing? Good, man. Awesome. How are you? Oh, that's good. Me too. <laughs> good. Well, hey, man. I got a question about um, studies on clinicaltrials.gov. Okay. Can you do a little segment and teach us how to read those mm. damn things? Nope. Because. <laughs> <clears throat> Remember the time that we tried to do that on the fly? Somebody, I said, well, let's go to clinicaltrials.gov. And we found a trial that was com- it said it was completed and they had the data there. And I wasted five minutes of this show that no one will ever get back no. trying to figure out what in the hell they were trying to tell us. It so was anyway, terrible. It was terrible. Oh, no. How do you tell us if, if something? I left it in for the same reason I left the Stacey Deloach <laughs> stuff in, because it's, ex- it's, a, it's educational to people. Right. And it's good or not. I just see a Sorry, bunch of, uh, you know, medical jargon on that. Yes, yes. It's so, awful. Um, if you could ed- so clinicaltrials.gov is a great place to go if you have an illness or someone has an illness or you're a provider and you want to find a clinical trial for one of your patients. 
you have to wait until the paper is published to get anything out of that reporting site because they'll say, oh, yeah, it's completed. Data is available and you go there and you can't make any sense out of any of it. So uh, they don't want you to be able to figure it out because they want to get a publication out of it. Mm. So that's there, part of it. I, so I go quite frequently uh, when, when we get to later treatment lines in patients. Yeah. And so I could give a, just a couple of tips Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when, when you're looking at something. So, you know, of course, there's uh, first you can search on clinicaltrials.gov by your radius, right? So your disease right. state, then your country, and then the radius uh, that you would be willing to travel. Um, and then from there, there's a brief description of the study, sure. which should that part's uh, very understandable, yeah, very clear. So uh, you would also look at the phase, right? So we have phase one, two, and three studies. Right. Phase three studies is is going to be a some type of intervention that has already shown efficacy, right? right? So they had to so, show some efficacy in the phase two, and then phase three is looking for rarer adverse effects. Exactly. So Because if it's you, larger. Yeah, if you yeah, can ahead. get yourself on a phase three trial, that would be preferred. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's not what he's asking, though. No. What he's asking is, is you go there and you, let's just say, okay, so you want to know, does ivermectin, and now we're going to get banned because I mentioned the word. When I put it on Twitter, I spell it with exclamation points and stuff. Um, but anyway, to, to defeat the algorithm, man. But um, so let's say you want to know if ivermectin is uh, effective in COVID-19 in the hospital. And they've got a trial, and it's they've already recruited, they've finished the trial, and they've outputted data. That's the part he's talking about. I gotcha. Because when you go there, you can't make heads or tails out of the data that they've put on that site, even though they're required by law, I guess, if they if they have an NIH grant, they, I guess they have to put the data there. But they put it in such an incomprehensible fashion that you can't really say, yeah, this, is, this worked or no, it didn't. And they don't have to publish a conclusion or an abstract or anything. So you got to wait till the till the you know, till the article is actually published. Yeah, I go by the context clues of the face, right? So yes, phase that, two, we know, okay, so it was tolerable. Right. Uh, perhaps there's some efficacy there. Um, phase one, we it might not be tolerable and it might not work. Right. But if it's, That's if it's a phase two, it's got thing. some efficacy. Phase yeah. one's just Hope. you do 40 people just to make sure you don't kill everybody off the bat and that it gives you enough data to just say, hey, maybe this will you know, be worth going to phase two. And then phase two, you'll do about 300 people. Phase three, about 30,000 sometimes. And then uh, we're in phase four for molnupiravir right now, for example. Uh, you know, phase four is post-marketing. So that's when you really tease out the, um, uh, the truly rare adverse effects is when you start giving it to millions, and in the case of the vaccine, billions of people. You know, and then you'll see eight or ten of this or that come out, and you you try to tie it to the you know to whatever you gave them. So pretty interesting. Yep, yep, excellent. Thank you. So the answer is no. <laughs> uh, let's see how much time we got. Oh, we got enough time. Here's a good, here's a poop one. <clears throat> hey, Dr. Steve and Dr. Scott, hey. how are you? Hey, good. How are you? Great. 
Boy, that's great to hear. <laughs> hey, Dr. Steve, this is Alex from your Discord server. Hey, Alex. You were kind enough to respond to my question related to newborns and yes. how they require their microbiomes from their mothers through either vaginal birth or post-C-section medical intervention. Uh, my follow-up question is this. Is my poop the same as my mom's poop and my grandma's poop and my great-grandma's poop and so on and so forth? stretching back generations um just curious and that's oh, a delightful question I love everybody it. should join the discord server that the great cardiff electric set up for you that's our boss um, it's a lot of fun in there we need more people so maybe you could put up a link somewhere thanks a lot bye i do appreciate uh our network boss creating a discord server for us but we do have the reddit and we've got the website and we've got this it's it's too much so i i'm i've gotten into the discord and it is fun to get in there and you can do live chats and stuff and uh but i just i'm too stupid i'm just too much of a boomer to figure discord out mm -hmm. so i'm gonna work on that but anyway we do have a discord server it's just weird weird medicine um the this is an, a really interesting question so, and I've gotten conflicting answers. One answer in Sweden, they did a study in Sweden, and they sampled mother's uh, stool for E. coli strains, and then they sampled the kids' stool for E. coli strains. And what they found is we have such a clean environment now when we deliver babies that, um, that the kids didn't colonize with E. coli for like two months. And so they were getting it from somewhere else. It's like, where the hell are they getting it from? You know, they're not, you should, we shouldn't be eating E. coli. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, you get it on your hands or it doesn't take very much. And then it works its way into the colon. It likes to live there. And so it proliferates. But now this one here is an article, Mother to Infant Microbial Transmission from Different Body Sites Shapes the Developing Infant Gut Microbiome. And we know that we can't separate mind from body and we can't separate the gut from the mind and uh, these these people said uh, that they looked at 25 mother infant pairs across multiple body sites from birth to up to four months postpartum and they showed rapid influx of microbes at birth followed by strong selection during the first few days of life and the maternal skin and vaginal strains colonized only for briefly and the infant continues to acquire microbes from distinct maternal sources after birth. So these mothers are gross. They got E. coli, I guess, on their boobs or whatever. If they're, you know, if they're <laughs> breastfeeding, I don't know. <laughs> maternal gut strains proved more persistent in the infant gut and ecologically better adapted than those acquired from other sources. So yes, that would support his hypothesis mm -hmm. that the, you know, the poop that the E. coli that his grandmother had is the same as his mother's. Now we do know that. Mitochondria are passed down from, you know, from mothers to uh, their children. Sure. So, but as far as their poop uh, organisms, it's still up in the air because I've got two completely different studies saying two completely different things, hmm. and they're both pretty authoritative. So, cool. Anyway. All right. So, Doctor Scott, you got a question from the from the waiting room, as we like to call it here in the Weird Medicine Cardiff Electric Studios. Actually, we have two now. We have we have oh, we do? actually have okay. a second one. Excellent. Which is pretty good. All right. So let's start. Let's let's start with Lady Trucker. If I can get back and forth. Okay, Lady Trucker. Hey, Lady, welcome back. Michael, back. Welcome back. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're glad she's we're glad she's back. 
All right, what do you got? The, uh, the essence of the question is, is why is 39.5 BMI the magic number for elective surgeries? Right, so why shouldn't 39, why is 39.4 okay, mm-hmm. but 39.6 isn't? Right. And I was thinking about this the other day. Go ahead, Tim. Well, didn't she lose weight? Didn't yeah. she say she's already that's lost. important yep. to recognize? Yeah, no, she, yep. yeah, yeah, she's done great so far. She's already lost 45. That's awesome. Uh, Excellent. She's, she Good has, for her. Yeah, that's not easy. No, hell no, it's not. Actually, I got I dropped under two hundred for the first time in, since COVID. I, really? Okay. Yeah, Give yourself a yeah, bill. Good. Great, yeah. good. Yeah, good yeah I'm at the lowest uh, this morning. I'm at the lowest that um, I've been since. Yeah, for quite some time. For and I'm at my months. highest. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Well, you're retired. I love okay, wrong cart. No. Muscles. <laughs> yeah, it's all muscle. Muscle now. weighs more. Yeah. That's right. She's so okay. eating out on the road. We're both going to fix that because yeah. um, I have got a ways to go to get to my ideal body weight. And I've been, I used Noom, but Noom was uh, a challenge for me during uh, COVID, particularly during the worst times because I wasn't able to concentrate on what I was eating. I just had to grab something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, I was I was fasting all day long and then I'd get home and I'd be starving. And when you're... I, what I found, it's amazing, and people think this is bullshit, but breakfast really does matter oh, because yeah. the days that I would even just eat an apple or I would do a protein shake or something in the morning, and then I wouldn't just be gorging at night, um, I would, or even if I did, I would still either gain less weight or I would lose more weight than if I fasted all day. You'd think, well, God, I didn't eat breakfast, I didn't eat lunch, I just ate you know, a, a somewhat sensible dinner, but your body goes into starvation mode when you start burning fat cells that rapidly. Mm-hmm. And it goes, oh my God, we're starving. We need to conserve every calorie that comes into us for the next couple of days till we get caught back up again. And it makes it a lot harder. And the days that I um, just eat a little something in the morning, I do much better when it comes to my weight loss. Oh, yes, you, Jeff. That was one of the first lessons of name. Yeah, I know. You didn't know? I didn't know. Why? Yeah. After postpartum. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I love Noom. You can still go to noom.drsteve.com and get 20% off or two weeks free. I just realized that the other day. Cool. So we haven't been pushing it. But, yeah, I I love Noom. It it, it helped me in ways that weren't just weight-related. And it made me understand that scale, you know, the, the, the scale isn't the only thing. It's how you feel, and, uh, you know, there's non-scale indicators that you're doing better, including getting your um, um, getting your belt to tighten it up. That's an NSV, a non-scale victory. There you go. Thank you. Yes. There you go, Tace. Give yourself a bill. Another one of those for Tacey. She's on a roll, baby. All right. All right. So, yeah, so the reason is that there are studies that show increased post-procedure morbidity, in other words, complications, the higher your BMI is. Mm -hmm. So unless you're having weight loss surgery, they really won't. There's a lot of surgeries that they don't want to do. And, um, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to close Mm -hmm. an abdomen that's got a foot of of you know fat tissue between the skin and the and the uh, guts well 
Yeah, and, and the other and thing is if it pops open, it's hard to get it hard to get close. Yeah, go ahead. And, and the other thing is spinal surgeries. A lot of times the instrumentation is they not can't long, get to it. Can't, can't, can't get in there deep enough, so it's, yeah. it's just not long enough. So the the thinner you are, the easier it is for the surgeons to get in there and do their procedures. But I was thinking about this the other day. These sort of artificial um, boundaries that we set for ourselves. For example, is it okay for a kid who's twenty? It's not. It's illegal for a kid who's 20 years old and 364 days to buy liquor, but the next day they can. Now, right. There's nothing makes magical. No sense. No, makes no sense. Or that they can't vote, you know, when they're 17 and 364, but the next day somehow they have the wisdom mm-hmm. to make choices that are going to affect all yeah. of our lives. Yeah, bizarre. Or they can go to. They can be, you know, in. They can enlist in the military. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, you know, so we. And people say, well, you just have to set the line somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, and then when when you get to voting, it becomes, you know, it's a political issue. Because mm-hmm. Robert Heinlein said, he, he was a science fiction writer, but he was a political thinker too. And he said that if you don't go into the military, you shouldn't have the right to vote. So he was one of those guys. Hmm. So if you didn't serve your country for at least two years, then you shouldn't be allowed to vote. So, you know, you can get into all kinds of stuff like that. There's other ways to do it other than an age cutoff, but age cutoff seems to be the most fair because it doesn't discriminate against something that you've done or who, you know, who you are or where you live or any of that stuff. If you're 18, you can vote. Mm. If you're 39.4 BMI, you can have that surgery. Even if you're 39.6, you can't. I don't know. They just have to set the line somewhere. All right, you ready for question number two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is the winner. Uh oh. I think this will be a good one to wrap it up on. Okay. Oh, why you want to get out of here? Yes. Yes. Oh God. Okay. Sorry. All right. Sorry, I kept y'all here. <laughs> no, I, no, actually, I've got to go pay a guy for the, who put on my roof here in a bit. But anyway, anyway. Okay. Hey, so no, seriously, Larry. Larry as Lawrence. Yeah, Lawrence has the question of the day so far. Okay. Um, long story short, we have a showerhead attachment to clean out the bunghole to prepare us for activities. Yes. Is this safe to use daily, or am I washing out too much stuff? That's an excellent question. Oh, no, no, it's yeah. Uh, no, that's a great question. It, so, if you have a bidet, it is a great question. Yeah, very if good question. You, if you have a bidet, and uh, Tacey can attest to this, you need one if you don't. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah. Especially, we bought our bidets when you couldn't buy toilet paper anywhere. I remember going to the store, and I was walking behind this lady, and they actually had toilet paper that day. And I went, Oh, thank God. And she said, Do you want to go in front of me? And I'm like, No. And then she turned around to me and went, Then get back six feet <laughs> i'm like okay sorry lady jesus <laughs> anyway i don't think i pose any danger to you but it was in the early days of the pandemic everybody was a little bit freaked out but um so we got our bidet then uh thanks to robert kelly and uh you can i think we have one we do on stuff.drsteve.com you can scroll down and see it 70 bucks for the tushy it's it is plastic but we've had it for almost two years now with mm-hmm. no problems whatsoever and uh, if you want the highfalutin, you know, cityfied one, it's like ten grand for one of those Toto toilets. Yeah, Toto ones know. are outrageous, but they're awesome though, don't they? Heat the water and all yeah, this stuff. Warm water and. Well, yeah. I'm going to my elbow to get to my knee to tell the story, but when you do that, you can divert the stream to actually give yourself a mini enema, mm-hmm. and uh, it's actually quite quite nice. You get less seepage later and all kinds of things. Now that's something I've not done. Really? Yeah, divert the stream. You just do it sort in. of tangentially to your 
to the ring yeah, of death. Steve, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> the ring of doom. <laughs> yeah, okay, but you can. Uh, do it. You can situate yourself just right, and it's totally fine to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not washing out too much of anything because you can never wash out to everything in there. Matter of fact, the guy that called in earlier in the show, who is a grown man and an attorney, mm-hmm. talking like a lunatic on the on the telephone, um, and I don't think he'd mind me telling this because you don't know who he is, but. He uh, had a prostate biopsy, and they went in, they cleaned out his, they gave him a a bowel prep, cleaned out everything, put prep in there that kills all the bacteria, and they stuck a needle through his rectum into his prostate to get the the, uh, prostate sample. He still got septic from that, so you can never clean it all out. You can clean it out enough that you can have some activities like they're talking about and enjoy consensual relations and uh, ass play and stuff like that mm-hmm. but you're not yeah using a shower head you're not no. doing anything no yeah, now well, gonna, if you were doing high colonics every day i would say that might be an issue mm-hmm. uh, but th- no not this and even then i don't have a whole lot of data that says it's an issue but just shoving something up your ass and then just filling it up day in and day out it's probably Recipe not for complications yeah probably. that's that's what yeah. i'm thinking too so you know if you have a procedure if i give you a procedure pa lydia to do and one in a hundred people are harmed by it and i give you another procedure where one in a thousand people are harmed by it, you're going to be hard pressed to tell which one is which until you've done maybe 10,000 procedures. You know, that would be the only way. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing something like that, you know, if there is a, a even a minuscule risk of complications, you do it every day, something bad's going to happen. So, but yeah, what you all are doing doesn't sound like uh, you're doing anything nope. that would be a problem. Okay. All right, guys. All right. We ready to get out of here? Do it. Yep. All right. Okay. All right, Tate. I mean, I don't mean it that way. I'm just not. I'm so busy. I just need to not sit down for a while. <laughs> okay. I'm glad that you found things to occupy your time. <laughs> uh, thanks. Always go to Dr. Scott. And uh, we can't um, forget PA Lydia and Tacey. Thank you for being here. Both of you are awesome. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, that Gould girl. Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Chowdy1008, uh, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte Whore, the Saratoga Skank, the Florida Floozy, Roland Campos, sister of Chris Sam Roberts, she who owns uh, pigs and snakes, uh, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, Holly from the Gulf, Christopher Watkins Double, Steve Tucci, who we'll be seeing in what? Six weeks, right? Taste? Yes. Okay, yes. Great. Sorry. The great Rob Bartlett. Vicks Nether Fluids, Cardiff Electric, Casey's Wet T-Shirt, Carl's Deviated Septum, uh, Producer Chris, The Inimitable, Vincent Paulino, everybody, Eric Zane, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's daughter, Ron Bennington, and of course, our dear departed friends, Fez Watley and GVAC, who supported the show. Never went unappreciated. Thanks to our SiriusXM show. What? No. Well, yeah. Thanks to our SiriusXM show, we have a podcast. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand 
and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. And go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. All right, very good. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.